It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined by Super Bowl champion and former Giants punter Jeff Fiegels. We'll be taking your calls a little bit later in the show, uh, but we're going to continue our look around the nation at different teams' prospects coming out in the NFL draft. So today, we're going to go back. I think this is Sam's fourth year joining us. Uh, he is the host of the Michigan Insider on WTKA, publisher of 247sports.com's Michigan Insider. He is Sam Webb, and he joins us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Sam, hope you're well. Good to talk to you again, man. Thanks for being with us. Always. Really, really enjoy it, man. Hope you guys are well, too. Uh, we're we, good. Yeah, Sam, we're doing fantastic. So uh, let's start here with these Michigan prospects. And I think we're going to be starting literally at the top of the draft <laughs> with with Aiden Hutchinson. You are, you know, we've read a lot about him. We've watched his tape. We know a ton about Aiden Hutchinson. As someone that's been around him and up close and through the recruiting process with him and all that stuff, tell us some things about Aiden Hutchinson that maybe we don't know. So I think the notion that Aiden Hutchinson is a topped-out player, I think that's when you when you compare him to Trevon Walker, who I watched uh, in high school, when you compare and Kayvon Thibodeau too, but I, I've watched Aiden since he was a sophomore in high school, so I've seen him longer than any of the other guys, and he wasn't the high-rated prospect initially that those other guys were. He really, you, you could see the, the, the foundation, though. His dad was a standout defensive lineman at Michigan. He had the frame. He had the at multi-sport athleticism. He was a lacrosse player. He played tight end. But what you have seen is every year him add elements to his game, not only improving his speed, quickness, uh, you know, twitchiness, all that stuff got better. But to me, what, one of the things that really, really sets him apart is this is a guy that keeps working to add to his game, never complacent, the hardest worker in the room, leads by example and by voice. He is a dude that checks, to me, all of the boxes. He may not have the – the top-end athleticism of a Trevon Walker or even a Kayvon Thibodeau, but he's not that far off. And when you add those other factors that I'm talking about, those other intangibles, he showed this past year, you know, his IQ-wise, you know, they dropped him in coverage a good deal. And he was comfortable doing that. This is a guy that I think is the safest pick in the NFL draft. Um, Sam, let me ask you a question. So, a big dude here. I mean, six foot six. I can't imagine when he puts those cleats on in that helmet, he probably looks like he's seven foot three. So, that's going to give some tackles a little bit of. Uh, they're going to be a little bit scared of him coming at him. So, my question is this: it's, on the notes I'm reading here, he lost like 20 pounds between his junior and senior year. Is that something that the coaches wanted him to do, or was he more of like, you know what, I'm going to try to move outside and become that premier pass rusher going forward? I think it was, I think it was twofold. I think he saw how it would aid him as a pass rusher, but really it fit the scheme. I mean, it fit what they were asking him to do. He was going to have to be a guy that was nimble enough that he could drop off in coverage and make plays, not just be a, you know, not just be a guy who was an obstruction in in a space. Like, okay, you got a you got a big six 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 seven guy out there in the flat, but he can't make play. You just got to throw over or around him. No, he was in the flat. And he could move. He could, he could read the quarterback. He could react to a pattern. He could make a play when he drops. And I think him improving his, his speed and quickness by virtue of dropping some weight was a part of that. Now, did it improve him off the edge? Absolutely. But I think what was impressive about what was more impressive about it was that it didn't take away from his strength. He is a devastating bull rusher. I mean, his, his speed to power – is, is elite. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why he's at the top of the draft. I mean, people would knock his pass rush arsenal. And, again, even if you thought that was at a deficit, and I don't, that I just say look at his track record and look at how he's added elements to his game every year. He's the hardest worker you'll see. 
I mean, it, you can find complacency in a lot of these guys that are at the top of, even at the top of the draft. You will never have to worry about that with Aiden Hutchinson. That's why I say, you know, him losing weight was a part of fitting into that scheme. But if you need him to gain weight uh, and play with his hand in the dirt 90% of the time, he can do that too. All right, Sam, let me, let me throw two things at you, and you can fight me off. First of all, I agree with everything <laughs> you said. I, I think he is the safest pick in the draft. I also think he's probably the best hand fighter of, of all the defensive ends, too. Like he, he can dislodge offensive tackles' hands once they get their hands on him and, uh, as well as anyone else. Two things that I want to ask you about, though. One, when you see him win, there's not a whole lot of, you know, bend the edge, you know, get around the offensive tackle wins, one. Two... Obviously, his arm length isn't what you want it to be as an edge rusher. Did you see the arm length show up on tape? And do you think that, along with the, the lack of elite bendiness, which I think you kind of referenced in, in your first answer, should those be legitimate red flags that NFL front offices worry about? Or shouldn't they? And if they shouldn't, why? I mean, look, I think that they... They have those measurables for a reason, right? I mean, if you, you, the, if you can be exceptional at keeping offensive linemen out of your body, I mean, that is, uh, that is essential, and one of the essential uh, sort of attributes in, in achieving that leverage advantage that every guy wants to get. We didn't, I didn't see it be an issue for Aiden at Michigan, I didn't, not this past year. I mean, he, he was a disruptor in every game. Every single game, that was the thing, one of the things that really stood out. Man, they they had to – you had to chip them. You had to put a tight end over there. You had to double team them. You had to do something to disrupt Aiden Hutchinson. Now, he wasn't facing an NFL offensive tackle every week. So, it could be the case that maybe that might be more of an issue uh, at the NFL level. But, again, I think he'll do the other thing that will – that will compensate for that. So you talk about him being a hand fighter, his hand technique, you know, doing the things that he needs to do from a power standpoint, from a from a film study standpoint, he will bridge the gap in other ways. You know, he's not if if you are enamored with the measurable, then you take Javon Walker. Then you take Kayvon Thibodeau. But to me, like I said, the thing you worry about with with uh, with Trevon Walker is his numbers. I watched, I mean, Trevon is an exceptional athlete. I think he has the best measurables, 4 5 1 and 6 5 2 72. I mean, I, he, he is an exceptional athlete. He does not have exceptional statistics. Now, you can point to reasons for that. Maybe it's the scheme he was in at Georgia. Maybe it's the having so many other elite defensive guys on that squad taking away those steps. That could be the case. So if you don't like Aiden Hutchinson's early, Take Trevon Walker, but again, you got production. It didn't stop his production at Michigan, and that speaks to me. Watch his tape, watch his film. Did it hinder him on film? It didn't, in my view. Um, real quickly, we'll stick with this defensive line. The uh, David Ajabo. So we obviously know it was horrible what happened to him. Um, you know, give me a little bit. Of, here's the thing with him that I see. Two questions. Number one is inexperience. Um, and also, I know playing, he did pretty well playing next to Hutchinson. He had 11 sacks last year. Um, can he be an every-down player, Sam, and give me a little bit of something just because of the injury and where you feel like he may drop to? Um, you know, the Giants have a high second-round pick. Well, maybe he's still there if the Giants could get him. What do you think? Yeah, yeah picked up, picked up uh, football at Blair Academy and – and out in Jersey, so you mean a, a guy that would be coming home at least stateside? He'd be sure. coming home. He's you know from from uh, Nigeria by way of Scotland, and so first heard about him between his junior and sophomore year. I mean, junior and senior years is a guy who hadn't really established himself as a football player, but his athleticism was so off the charts. I mean, he was running in the four by one. As a track guy, I mean, I think he had run like a 10-9 split or something like that. Wow. It's like, man, if you could just teach this guy football, it, it, he'd be unbelievable. So his, his learning curve, the, the, year, the years in high school and certainly his first couple of years at Michigan has been about learning the game. But he got unleashed this year. So in one-on-one pass rush situations, he was a beast to stop. I mean, he's just so fast off the edge. He's really come a long way with his technique. You ask, are he, is he an every-down player? 
That's the dilemma. That's what you, that's the projection part of this. Because, you know, Michigan Michigan had packages. I mean, you think about the Big Ten Championship game, he wasn't in the starting lineup for that game. They started with a run heavy, a run defense package, and David David Jabo wasn't on the field. So you have to ask yourself as a general manager from a from a run defender standpoint and a block destruction standpoint in the run game. Do you think he can do that? I thought he started to hold up better as the year went on. The other thing that you have to project, I mean, is he just a hand-in-the-dirt guy? He has the athleticism to be more than that. But, again, this is a lear- this is it's still a learning curve, more of a learning curve for him than most other guys in the draft because he is still, relatively speaking, new to football. Now, he's really, really smart, so you, you figure he'll pick it up. But, again, that's more of the projection with David Ajabo than you have with some of the other guys out there. How sky high is his upside as a pass rusher, though, Sam? Uh, it's, I mean, it's off the charts. It's off the charts because, I mean, you're talking about a guy, his get-off is tremendous. And I think he ran like a 4-5, mid-4-5s in the 40. Oh, it was great. Yeah, in the, uh, at, yeah at, the, at the combine. I mean, just speed, and but the quickness to boot. The quickness to boot. He is, he is a guy that's going to be able to get nothing else in his NFL career He'll be able to do the designated pass rusher thing, but I mean, teams don't necessarily want to use a first-round draft pick on a specialist, on a guy who's just going to be that. You want an every-down guy, and that's what, like I said, that's where the scouts have to have to figure that part out. You know, how quickly do you think he will be able to grow into being in an every-down guy as a run defender, being an every-down guy as a guy who you can leave on the field and ask him to drop in the covers like you did in Aiden Hutchinson, which they didn't do a whole hell of a lot with David Jabo. Jeff, do you want to go to Daxton Hill or do you want me to take that? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Daxton Hill. I had up next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sam, it's funny. I went to watch Daxton Hill, and, you know, I took a look, and I'm like, all right, listen as a safety. Then I watched the tape, and I'm like, he's kind of a slot cornerback. So can you just kind of tell the folks how they used Hill yeah. a lot this year? Yeah, so he, he, was, their, he was their nickel, and, and that was often their base. And so what, what makes Dak special, another guy I went to see at high school, like he, you know, there are a ton of people who said you should play corner. Guys who can play corner do play corner because the corner check is higher. The corner check is higher than the safety check. That's right. right? <laughs> but Dak but didn't, he just, he is so much, he has so much thirst for contact and being in the fray and being in the middle. I mean, he, that is why. You wanted him in that nickel spot because you put him in the box, you unleash him in the run game. He is—he's not a liability. He can—he can play the run like a linebacker, but he is a legit four-three-seven, four-three-eight guy. He ran that in high school, so I wasn't surprised by when he ran that at the combine, right? right. I mean, that—that has stayed true to form. Now, what NFL teams have to figure out because you talk about him being a, a slot corner—he is ex- an exceptional blitzer. It ex- Exceptional blister. He is really physical in the run game. He can turn and run with guys, but is the lateral quickness piece. And this is where, in talking to coaches and scouts, why a lot of them are skewing towards safety as opposed to corner, and maybe safety even over nickel, in that they want to see whether or not he has the, the lateral quickness to stay with some of those twitchy guys in the slot in man-to-man situation. He can run with them, no question. But can they the, – the get off the line with that quickness, is that something that is – you know, that doesn't take as, as, as much advantage of his skill set as you would be if you played him exclusively in safety. I think Dax Hill could be an NFL quarterback. I'm no NFL scout. I just think that what he might lack in, in lateral quickness, and he's pretty quick. He's still pretty quick. He is so strong, he can, and he has such good recovery speed that it wouldn't be the kind of liability that would prevent you from playing him in those roles if it were me. I think Dax Hill, if he's at the bottom of the first round, to me is a steal because he has corner ability, nickel mm-hmm. ability, and safety ability. Well, I mean, listen, anytime you come into the National Football League and, and you're versatile, uh, you have a better chance to make that team because you give the coaches – uh, a little bit of fuel on where they can put you in certain situations when injuries come about and things like that. So, uh, you know, you look at him at the late sec first round and maybe the top of the second round, somebody's going to get a good player there. Um, 
as we, I want to go to the next guy we have on our list. Andrew, is it, is it Stuber? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Andrew Stuber. Oh, I got it right, John. How about that? Um, I butcher names, by the way, Sam. So that's why I was that asking about that. That wasn't even a tough one, Jeff. Don't I know, but I still do. I could say Stauber, <laughs> uh, you know, but anyway. So, um, you know, here's here's a big guy. He's a senior, played right tackle. Um, I think that he probably projects maybe to go inside as a guard at the national, in the NFL um, and that kind of a transition. But uh, team captain sounds to me like a guy that – is going to be very consistent for you. Is not the greatest player, not the worst player, but a guy that's going to be consistent and could have a long career in the National Football League. Yeah, he, he could. You know, he's a guy from Connecticut, so he, you know, if he comes up the Giants' way, he'd be essentially coming back uh, home or close to it. A guy who really earned his scholarship facing Aiden Hutchinson in a camp. Now he's a year uh, a year older than Aiden, and Aiden was maybe 40, 50 pounds lighter. But those two went toe-to-toe, and and I was, just to, for him to be able to stay with a quicker Aiden Hutchinson at that time, I was pretty impressed by that. But he's a guy who's battled an injury in his career. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the things that set him back early. But a big, physical, smart offensive lineman, I think you have really seen him him grow in his positional versatility on the line. They, they, uh, they cross-trained him some inside at guard. In his career, I think he could do it. I think he could bend well enough to do it. So it's either it's either guard or or right tackle later in the draft. What you were wor- not worry, but the the thing that scouts I think would look for with him is you know kick step, kick step, get outside. Can he stay with edge benders on the outside? I don't necessarily know that that's his forte at the NFL level, uh, but you know, man. Come off the ball and blow a guy up in the run game. Andrew Stuber can do that. All right. How about his fellow offensive lineman, um, or rather, I'm sorry, the defensive lineman that plays across him, Christopher Hinton, uh, interior defensive lineman, six four, three ten. What have you seen from him over his career at Michigan? Yeah, I mean, he, so he was a guy who comes from great stock. His dad is is former NFL All Pro Chris Hinton Senior. You know, play for years with the Colts and with the uh, with the Vikings. He might be in the ring of honor for both teams. Uh, you know, the son of two uh, outstanding athletes. His mom was a college basketball player at Northwestern, while his dad was a football player there. So, uh, you know, knows what it takes to prepare. Watching him at Michigan, it was a bit of a journey. Was he an outside guy or an inside guy? He came in wanting to be a defensive end. They, admit, they eventually moved him inside. What I like about Chris is, much like Aiden Hutchinson, very committed to improving his game. Very committed to seeking outside help, getting a personal training, working on, working on hand technique and strength, playing inside, which he wasn't very familiar with doing coming into Michigan. I think this past year you really saw it come together from a guy, from a guy who in the run game could really, really be a guy who could get off blocks and make plays to at times, you know, give you a little bit of an interior rush. I think the question that you have for him or about him is, you know, in the number of scenarios that he got in one-on-one situations, you know, it, 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 you probably have scouts saying they, they would have liked to have seen more production. Uh, I think his athleticism justifies him being drafted. The, the lack of numbers, even as an interior guy, probably has them pushing him down some and having them see him as, as more of a developmental guy. But he has the pedigree, he has the frame, he has the quickness, he has the IQ to be a guy who sticks in this league and can be a rotational player. Um, Sam, let me throw out a couple names here. Just give me what you think real quickly on these guys or one of them that stands out more than the other. John Ross is the linebacker. you got Brad Hawkins who plays safety. Um, and then you have a couple of these other guys, Andrew Vastadaris, Dardis, Vastadaris. I told you, it's crazy. Uh, Vincent Gray and, and Dalen Baldwin. What do you think about any of these guys' chances of maybe, uh, you know, day three or even pro- obviously possibly a free agent? Yeah, so I think Brad Hawkins is, I mean, just sticking with the area theme. He's a Jersey guy, right? And, and so he, I was impressed that he ran as well as he did. Yeah, you know, I always view Brad as more of a, you know, a four-seven guy top, mm-hmm. and he ran better than that. And I, I think that that makes him, I think that that makes him really intriguing. He was out of high school. He was a receiver. He went to he went to prep school. 
transition to, to defense. They played them up, you know, at a viper spot around the line of scrimmage. They moved them back uh, to safety and played them at, at different in different safety spots. So he he bounced around until his last couple of years, where he settled in at safety and showed you he could be the quarterback of a defense, really physical in the run game, but showed you he was a better cover guy than you expected. And he's a dude that that understand route recognition. I mean, you put him in a pattern matching scheme, and I think he'll he'll excel in that. And so I, I, he's an intriguing guy a little bit later in the draft because I think the scouts probably question his speed too, and the way that he ran probably moved him up a couple of draft boards. So of all those guys that you mentioned, he's probably the guy I see most likely to go on, on day three. Andrew Vistardis is a former walk-on who worked his way into a starter in his final year last year at Michigan. High IQ guy, but, you know, I think the, the athletic ceiling would probably be the question for scouts. Josh Ross, super physical linebacker, super physical linebacker, great intangibles, uh, probably a two-down two guy in the NFL uh, with a 4840, but a guy who would be a willing special teamer. And like I said, a physical guy, super physical guy, and he's able to make a roster. Sam, let me ask you about one player that, that Jeff didn't mention um, in his last question. Hassan Haskins, the running back. Oh, yeah. i got to be honest oh, with you. Man. I watched man. him yesterday, and I had not heard anything about him from anyone during the draft process. And I watched him yesterday. I was really impressed by his short area quickness. Yeah. I was really impressed by his ability to break tackles. And I think if you're looking for a you know, early down or short yardage guy that you're going to pound between the tackles. I know, look, I saw him get caught from behind. I know he's he's not going to, you know, test off the charts and all that stuff. But I think if you're looking for a tough, you know, hard-nosed, blue-collar, between-the-tackles rusher, this guy's going to be pretty good at that. Special teams guy, too. Hey, man, listen to me. You (laughs) need to go get a job in an NFL front office because you are on to something, my man. Hassan Haskins. (laughs) is a bona fide pro. So, look, to, to me, I group him with with Aiden and and Ajabo and Dak as guys I believe will be starters in the NFL. Like, right now. Wow. Right now. Don't know that. Can't say that about this. I think those guys will wind up being starters in the NFL. I guess with, with Ajabo, the injury – Injury maybe maybe throws that into a little bit of a question sure, about sure. how quickly he comes back and what team he, he lands up. But the other three, they will be starters, including Hassan Haskins. You gotta understand the 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 vision, the feet. So I remember watching him in high school. His high school coach said Le'Veon Bell. And I'm like, come on man, I watched Le'Veon Bell in high school. Le'Veon Bell was a guy that Eastern Michigan was recruiting as a linebacker. Michigan State took him late. As a throw-in that came in and that we think he can play running back and then, oh, man, we got this. They found a gym. Same thing with Hassan Haskins. A lot of teams, oh, he's a 4'7 guy. He's going to be a linebacker, play linebacker some at Michigan until they let him stay at running back and realize the guy has feet, he has vision, and the first player he is never brought down by the first tackle. I'm telling you, sure as the day is long, if there's a stat for it, Yards after contact or first defender, he will be elite in that statistic. Now, he is, you're right. He's not elite in speed. He is going to get caught from behind. But, hell, you don't have many game-breaking running backs. How many, you know, 70, 80-yard runs do you see from no, the running back position? I'm with you. Anyway? I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, you, you don't see that. You know, your, your guys who go 70 or 80 are at the re- receiver spot these days. So, you don't – I'm not drafting for that. Can he get me five? Can he get me five yards when I need it? Can he get me the short yardage when I need it? Can he block? Can he catch the football out of the backfield? That last one is probably the bigger question mark or the biggest question mark for him because they didn't throw it to him a ton, so he would have to show his ability to do that. But he's going to get short yardage, but he's not just a short yardage back. You know, he's a guy that's going to make you miss, or you know, if if he has to, he absolutely can run through one or two defenders and really make plays that way. I am a huge believer and buyer in Hassan Haskins. I think he will be a starter on some NFL team before his career is over. And, folks, let me just tell you something. We've had Sam on now. I think this is, I said earlier, fourth or fifth time. Uh, He gave us Michael Owenu three or four years ago, and he ended up being a plug-and-play starter for the Patriots. 
He gave us Ambry Thomas last year, who stepped in and, and play, had a nice little rookie year. So he knows what he's talking about. So put a little asterisk there next to Hassan yeah. Haskins and see where he goes. Uh, because I agree, when I watched him, Sam, I saw the same stuff you did. Anyone we missed or anything else you want to add about this class, Sam, that that maybe we didn't mention to you? No, it's, I just think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens at, at the top of the draft. I describe Aiden Hutchinson as the safest pick, and will that make the Jaguars jump on him, or do they go offensive linemen and continue to fortify the protection in, in front of Trevor Lawrence? That's a compelling storyline because if Aiden Hutchinson goes to the Lions, man, all those intangible factors that I talked about, and being a hometown guy, it would be a rock star scenario if Aiden Hutchinson is selected by the Detroit Lions. Uh, it's just a lot of nervousness around here about whether he'll even be on the board for that to happen. And it's just seeming like with the way things have been falling here over the last couple of weeks that he's not going to be there because the Jags are going to take him. Well, you, like you said, you got to hope that the Jaguars fall in love with either um, uh, the uh, Trayvon Walker's you know numbers or they decide that they have to protect Trevor Lawrence. So we'll see. Sam, great stuff, man. Really you, appreciate Sam. it. Uh, great talking to you every year. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe out there, my friend. Appreciate it. All right, you, you too. Thanks, guys. Yep, you're welcome. Great job by Sam oh, Lamb, yeah. host of the Michigan Insider on WTKA. And the detail on his answers, Jeff. It gets me excited. I love how <laughs> – I, I, no, what I love about some of these guys we bring on, uh-huh. how they go back to what they did in high school, right? Yeah, why, yeah. Why they were recruited. And that kind of gives you an idea of what their upside is, where they've sure. been. And I, I think it's just really, really good stuff that we can't obviously see, you know, watching the tape. Well, I think that, you know, there's a slew of guys that, you know, with your contacts and Lance and Paul, all the guys that we bring on the show – you know, most of these guys have kind of, when they're associated with these college teams for as long as they are, they, they've, like said, like Sam's been able to see these guys in high school. So you really got to get a, a nice, uh, you know, you got a lot of metrics on them, right? I mean, you can really see how they've grown into the positions that they've been in, their character, those kinds of things. So when you hear these guys talk how, you know, how they talk about some of these guys and, you know, you really, you can tell it's coming from the heart. They really believe what they're saying. Um, and so, and it's funny because I, I have my notes here. I don't know how I, how I missed him because he, he was a guy that I, I did look at is more of a, you know, he's a very physical runner and he's, and he, I he's a guy that, that if you have a two back system, a hundred percent that you can, and by the way, you know, that's a guy that you can employ in every special teams, big four. So he could be on the field a lot on special teams, but he could get you some yards and, and also is a good pass blocker, which, which is important. So, um, hopefully he'll find a nice home. Uh, with somebody in the NFL. So great to hear from Sam. Yeah, he's, he's an exciting guy. Well, you know, and that's the thing, Jeff. Like, you know, you wa- and by the way, we'll open up the phones, so get to us, 201-939-4513. We're all open lines. Get on. We'll take calls for the next half an hour. Talk some draft and, and, and NFL football with uh, Jeff Fiegels and I right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And by the way, as a reminder, Giant, giant season tickets are on sale now for 2022. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And, Jeff, i got to be honest with you. You know me. I don't have much time to watch, you know, big-time sure. college football during the season. Well, you, you watch enough of it. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I'm just not that familiar. So I, I kind of – I'm learning as I go. Yeah. And obviously I had watched Michigan in the college playoffs, so I would seen him play without probably, you know, knowing his name. But, you know, during the draft process, I didn't hear a damn thing about Hassan Haskins. Like, I, I <laughs> hadn't heard the name. I, I honestly yeah. hadn't. Uh, Pro Football Focus, for example, has him ranked as our 174th player, right? So that would put him – Somewhere in the sixth round, give or take. Uh-huh. I was just really impressed. Like, you know, he knows how to read blockers. He gets up right on his blockers. He, you know, can make guys miss in those short areas, which I think is a, is a very tough skill. You know, if you're in a lot of space, it's easy to use your athleticism to get around guys. But to use those subtle movements to make guys miss in that, you know, little pocket in the middle of the defensive line is, is tough. Yeah. He is street, yeah. like you mentioned, he's 6'1, 220. He's got strong legs. He can break tackles. Sure. He reminded me a little bit of Jordan Howard, right? That okay. type of guy where he's not going to be your third down back or he's the guy that's going to break big plays and you can isolate in space. But he is someone that I think can play that short yardage or first and second down role for you, red zone role for you if, if you're running the ball a lot, where I, I think he is going to be a pretty good pro, to be honest with you. Well, you know, this is where. 
you know, when we look at the, the guys that come out of college football, there's so many of them, right? And a lot of these scouts, sometimes they have these kind of like these little guys in their back pocket that they're looking at. I think this is one of them. I think this is one of the guys where somebody's excited about this person, um, but they don't want to say anything. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's a little secret. And I think somebody's going to get a good player. Um, does, does he remind you a little bit of Tony Pollard a little bit, or do you think that Pollard's a little bit smaller than him? I think Pollard's probably a better athlete and well, smaller. Yeah, yeah. but size-wise and what he could do. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I feel like there's a lot of these guys because there's so many players. And, and like you said, John, you know, it's hard to evaluate all these guys when – you know, you're working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week on pro football during the season. You don't get to see a lot of this stuff. And now all of a sudden we turn the tape on and we have such a short time to really concentrate on most of this stuff. But I, I still that it's kind of a neat story to be able to go back. And next year when we talk to Sam Webb, we'll be able to say, hey, by the way, when we talked to you last year, Hassan Haskins was your, one of your guys. Look what he's doing for whoever. You yeah. Know? So that'll be fun. And the Giants picked two, twice in the fifth round, one at 147, yeah. once at 173. That could be a nice sweet spot there. Hey, you never know. Never for, know. For Mr. Haskins. All right, let's open the phone. Oh, you know, can yes, we, before Jeff, we do, please. I have Absolutely. a quick question because I haven't been on since um, on Tuesday, but we didn't really. Yeah, yeah. Um, just real quick, I'd like to get your take, and I'd like to give you my take just quickly on this overtime thing. Oh, absolutely. Go that ahead. went through, and I, I thought it was interesting because um, I feel like it had to get done. Um, and if you read the you read the what happened, specifically the one where the other team gets a possession, I feel like because of the difficulty getting to the situation where you're in those playoffs, um, that you should have that opportunity. I agree. And, I mean, there are some people that say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I think it was broke, and it was needed in fixing. And I think now it gives you the opportunity because the playoffs are different than the regular season. Well, because you have those high-quality quarterbacks that are just so hard to stop from scoring. 100%. And you look at the way that things are just up and down the field nowadays. I just, you know, it's just now it gives the person uh, a chance. And and it's kind of funny because there was a little little blurb on I think it was on Instagram or something today that I read about it. The uh, One of the other rules was about, did you read how the safety, if there's a safety on the kickoff, the other team wins? <laughs> did you read that? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing, because technically <laughs> the first team gets possession. Yeah. That's why. Right, right. right. Yeah. And so, what, honestly, Jeff, what I would do, and, and I get, and by the way, if, they, if that was required for being the regular season, it would not have passed. Because yeah, I think owners 100%. are legitimately worried about having these regular season games be too long. Right, right. I think player safety is part of it, too. You also don't want the TV windows to overlap too much. I think that's part of it also. Mm-hmm. But for for the playoffs, I would have just made it really easy. Just go play 15 minutes. Or you could have that. Or 10. You know? No, I don't want 10. I want to play a real quarter of NFL football. Wow. That's, that's what real football is. Tell them, go play 15 minutes. Whoever's winning at the end of that 15-minute period wins the ball game, and if no one's winning, then you play sudden death. Just sure. do that, you know. And I think that keeps it as close to regular football as possible. Now, would the games maybe go too long? But you get what one overtime playoff game every like two or three years, maybe, <laughs> maybe right? One yeah. every two seasons. So what? One game runs a little bit long. You think anyone in the middle of an overtime playoff NFL game is like, boy, this thing needs to end. This is too long. No, you're on the edge of your freaking seat, and you're like, oh, my God, this is terrific. Well, so, look at look right. at the playoffs this year. Exactly. I mean, every no. single, so if, if all of those games went into overtime, do you think anybody would have cared? No. no they and, would not have cared. So, so. I, I would just play the 15-minute period and, sure. and make it yeah. as much like regular football as possible. I'm fine with the rule they put in. I have no problem with it. I think there's now interesting strategy, right? Like, when do you go for two? If you win the toss, do you want the ball first? Do you want the ball second? If you score a touchdown first, do you go for two to try to, you know, so the other team can't have a walk-off two-point conversion on their possession? There's a lot of strategic elements now that were not in place where it's like, all right, I won the toss, I'm taking the ball. A lot of analytics working. Oh, my on. gosh, yes. <laughs> They're working overtime after that rule was was handed down. Like, okay, analytics department, get on it. Here we go. <laughs> you know, because ideally I think you would want to go second, right? Because you know what you have – so then you know what you have to do based on what the first team does, right? Okay, we know they kicked the field goal. We know a touchdown will win, a field goal will tie. Um, all right, they scored a touchdown, didn't go for two. We know we don't need to go for two. So I think having the information is good. Somebody else brought up, though, well – what if your defense was just on the field and you want to give your defense a blow? You know, what if your defense just gave up a game-tying touchdown and they're 
gassed. Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you yeah. want to give them a blow by putting your offense out there? So there's there's a lot of interesting stuff there in terms of, you know, what the strategy is going to be in terms of receive or kick. Yeah, at least it gives you a chat to get the ball back. And right. that's kind of – that was the biggest issue. So, yeah. All right, thank you. I just was, was – I wanted to throw that in there. I just was curious your no. thought on it. Yeah. Now, we're not, uh, you weren't in agreement, and actually – Tino actually liked the role too, which was the biggest shock. Well, I could see him doing that. I could see him. I mean, I, no, you know what? When you think about it, Paul is so old school <laughs> exactly. that he's like, oh, no, no, no. You got you to gotta play defense. Actually, if you don't play defense, then you know you deserve to win the game. I, I think game. Lance and Paul would both I – mean, they actually agreed on this, believe it or not. I, I, I think I actually saw a pig flying outside the window when I walked out of the studio. <laughs> um, but <laughs> – <laughs> they actually both would rather just go back to the regular sudden death roll. Yeah. Where if you kick a field goal, you win. No. Like Paul liked that better than the rule that was in place, which to me doesn't make any sense. But um, but it's that's Paul. that's absurd because talk about how people can go up and down the the <laughs> oh field. Oh my god, dude! Kicking a field goal is like easy. It's like yeah. two passes. All right. Uh, field exactly. Goal. Yeah, and by the way, two things: going up and down the field is pretty easy these days, and kicking sixty-yard field goals, it happens. Oh, it happens all the time now. So yeah, you know. I like you. The, the 60 is the new 50. That's that's what it is. So, I mean, yeah, these guys are just, they're so good nowadays. that. So I don't want that one. Well, no. well, well, Jeff, I'm curious. Is that true? Do you still feel like you're 50 years old? I feel like I'm almost 60, but I feel like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm, no, today, under the weather a little bit, I feel my age. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I know you're not 60, by the way. That, that was me taking on the right or shot at your age, but, but. Thank you. But it didn't work. Uh, no. All right. Don't miss your chance to experience a premier <laughs> hospitality experience watching Giant Games world-class concerts in 2022. As a Giant Suite partner, limited full-season locations are still available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. All right, Jeff, let's get to the phones. 201-939-4513. Timmy is down in Charleston. Tim, what's going on? How you doing, John and Jeff? Good, um, Timmy. Well, first first thing is I love I love your I, I haven't heard it before, John. I love that idea of just play a whole quarter, and then after that, sudden death. I think that's the ultimate. But I agree with all your other points on it. But that's but the reason I called is your PFF your interview with the guy on the PFF draft analyst. I, I forget his name. Yeah, right Trevor Sycamore. Trevor's great. Yeah, that was. I mean, all of them have been so good, but that was really good. Um, and you posed a question to him that I know we've thought about, and and then I want to I want to pose a counter question with two parts to you. Sure. You asked him, well, what if there's two tackles do go, and there's one tackle, and let's say Thibodeau there, um, do you get Q? And I don't want to address that again because you let people listen to the interview if they want to know the answer, right? Um, <laughs> but the the question I was thinking of asking you next time we talked before I even heard you ask him that was. What would you do if there are two of the tackles left? Let's say either either Neil or Quanu and um, Cross. And then, like, say, Ahmad Gardner, because the edge rushers seem to be pushing up. Now, at that point, my feeling is you grab Gardner and you take whatever's left at seven. Because even though we know the Panthers need a tackle, anybody could trade down and say, I want Gardner. I'm going to grab him. And 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 you lose him. So, so here's that's, the thing, Tim. Uh, I have Neil higher than Cross in terms of grade. I don't right. consider them equal. So I would probably still take Neil there if it's Neil and Cross. What if it's Aquano and Cross? It's a good question. I got. I got. I'll tell you. I would. I would have to put. Uh, I would take Equanu. At least I would. Well. So neither of you would take Gardner. No. 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 I'm, no. I'm, I'm thinking, st- Tim. I'm thinking. No. You just said. <laughs> you just asked us about if those two were there. Oh no, I, no, I mean, Jeff. He's saying if those two tackles are there, right? Cross and Equanu are left. So you know you're going to get one of those two at seven. Do you then take Sauce Gardner, uh, knowing you're going to get one of the two tackles at yeah, seven oh, good anyway? Question. Yeah. It's a really good question. You. It's a really good question, actually, Tim. Um, I would probably take Sauce. We need sauce. that cornerback. I would probably yeah. take Sauce, 
and then I would be happy with whomever's left at seven. Because, by the way, I think it's very possible, since Carolina has Taylor Moten at right tackle, I think it's possible they might take cross over Aquano, to be honest with you. Okay. But, you know, I really I feel like we need Sauce Gardner. I mean, we really – whether even if they even if they readjust Bradbury's contract and he stays, because uh, Jackson has not played a full season that much. And you need three top-notch outside corners in this league. You add Gardner, it fits right in with everything Martin Martindale wants to do. And, you know, with, there's good quality edge rushers in the second round you can get. Yep. And he's never been a guy who's had that dominant 15-sack guy. He's always been somebody who's been able to scheme it. And if you add a 6-10 to 10 sack guy with, uh, with um, um, oh, God, I'm spacing on his name, our guy from last year. Ojolari. Um, Ojolari, yeah. And then, you know, and, and then we got, you know, you've got the uh, Emerson or whatever his name is, Ellison, uh, and, and the mix in the middle. You know, I, I, I think I really want to get Gardner. Now, uh, although, you know, who knows? Maybe the Jets take him at four and screw us out of him. Um, yeah, they might, by the way. They might. And, and by the <laughs> way, they, I think there's a chance Houston and takes him at three. And I saw somebody today, was it Mike Tannenbaum had a mock draft up? They had Detroit taking him at two. Wow. And then, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazy. But the way this draft is running with the, all the talk about, um, um, uh, oh, Jesus, the other guy, the other edge rusher that's flying up. Trevon Walker. Now, Trevor. Trevon Walker yeah. and, and Thibodeau. And uh, um, the, the number one guy who's – I'm sorry, my names are – I'm, I'm turning to Jeff here. <laughs> Hutchinson. And, and if, 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 if guard – I mean, there's a chance that all three tackles will be there at five. And then it's like, I mean, yeah, I take Neil, absolutely. Um, but, but, you know, but, and, then, and then, you know, I don't know. Then let me ask you that then. Just in the crazy scenario like that, Gardner's gone. We have our pick of tackles at five, whoever we get. And now Carolina takes another tackle. Do we then take Kyle Hamilton? And being that guy who's just this generational player, as I've heard more than one guy say, and just and, and figure it out after that? I would – is Thibodeau still there? Uh, no, he goes. So you're telling me Thibodeau, three, Hutchinson, Walker, and Sauce are all off the board? Yep, all defense before us. That's where I'm still on the fence, Tim. I would probably look at Hamilton. I, I need to, I've done a cursory look at Kyle Hamilton. I still need to do, since it's becoming more and more possible he could be an option, I'm going to do a deeper dive on him. So I reserve the right to change my mind. But I, I, have, I have Hamilton there. I have Jermaine Johnson into consideration there. And I would consider depending who's there, doubling up on the offensive line. You know, wow. How would you so like? Would you, go with, you, would, you wouldn't overdraft Zion Johnson, though. I think no, 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 no. That's, that's I, a beautiful place, though, where maybe trade down. Oh, well, no. Yeah, get, well, get an extra, yeah, get, get some extra capital. Trade down's easy. Zion Johnson. I would think about, yeah, trade down's I, would draft, I would think about drafting Aquanu and putting him in guard. Wow. Like Quanu and Neal on the same offensive line. How about that? Woo! How about that? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, <laughs> this is why it's so much fun to talk about this stuff, you know? We got to find a corner, though, and I just don't know where there's a corner. I mean, if you take a corner, then in the top of the second round, now you miss out on an edge rush. It gets tough. No, it gets, it gets, it gets tough. Thank you, Tim. That's right. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, guys. Thank you, Tim. To the rest of your show. No, you're right. Look, that's, that's the trick here, and I think Tim has – the order right. If you can walk away with one of these top three offensive linemen and Sauce Gardner in the first round, you go get your edge rusher in a deep class at the top of round two, I think you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Sure. But I, there could be a corner there at the top of round two, or there might not be a corner you're like at the top of round two. It's not nearly as deep at that spot as it is defensive end edge rusher. Well, you look at those corners in the first – Round, you're probably going to get five, is my First guess. First round corners, I think you're looking at um, Sauce, Stingley, Trent McDuffie, Booth. McCreary. 
You think McCurry's a, maybe a late he first round? He could be an early second because his arms are. He okay. has 27 inch. Yeah, no, so, you're fine. He has 27 inch arms. I mean, that is oh, like. Wow. <laughs> that is like T Rex like level. Arms. Yes, they are Lance arms. That is correct. <laughs> and you don't see many Lance arms on a NFL quarterback. Uh, <laughs> Kyer Elam's another guy that could go in in the first round. I think that's your top group. Some people like the other Washington corner, uh, Borden, Kalen Borden is his name. Maybe I don't like him as much as other people do. But I, I think that's your first round cornerback group. It's Gardner, Stingley, McDuffie, Booth, McCreary. And Elam, I think those are the guys that 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 could be first round picks. Yeah. You know, they're still well where the Giants are at in the second round. You could possibly get, you know, a, a good a good corner there. And I, mean, I will I, say this, Jeff. By the way, when we asked um, Wink or Bob asked Wink, Papa, uh, when he did his interview, he said, "What kind of corner is he got?" He goes, "Fast ones and long ones." Well, Roger McCurry ain't ain't long. <laughs> so I'm yeah. not sure even if he's there, that would be an option for the Giants. Well, Sauce Gardner's long. Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> the thing, dude. Sauce <laughs> checks literally every single box. He double-checks boxes. For. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, nobody nobody should, should you know, not be happy if that happens, that the Giants get him somehow, some way. I mean, as long as it's, it all goes on what you want. I mean, we got to have a we got to have a tackle or a guard. You got to get one of these guys, and then I wouldn't. I think we all agree about a defensive player in there too would be okay, just depending on who it is. It doesn't really matter because between those seven, five and seven, like you and I have always talked, John. What's the difference between five and seven? One, you got one in yes, between. No. Who cares, right? No, no different. And I still Paul Dettino is not. I've asked him three different times on the air. Pearson's listened, and he still has not been able to verbalize what the difference between the fifth and seventh picks are. He goes, yeah, I'd be fine picking him at seven. It's one player in between. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, and I've given you if my you like theory the, on that. Like, that if day. you like yeah. the player well enough to pick him at seven, you sure as hell better like the player well enough to pick him at five. Sure. Yeah. Heck, um, we had that argument with Daniel Jones, right? If you feel good about picking him at, what was it, 15 when they picked Dexter Lawrence, whatever it was. If you feel good enough to pick him at 15, then you should be able to pick him at 6. I wasn't necessarily on board with that thinking, but I certainly am on board with that thing when it comes to picking 5th and 7th. I mean, what the hell is the difference? <laughs> One pick. <laughs> yeah, literally. Between. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm still a big believer if I get my who I want with the 5th, or I can get who I want with the seventh, and somebody gives me that, you know, that bucket load of picks. I'm gonna trade it. All right. So I have a question for you. Here's my question. I'm gonna make this tough on you. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So, two tackles are off the board in the top four. Okay. Neil Aquanu gone. Fine. You're picking at five. You get a call from the Steelers or Saints. Take your pick, whichever team you want to trade with. Okay. I don't care. They want to come and get a quarterback. No. Let, well, maybe. Okay. Or maybe the Saints want to come and get the last offensive tackle to replace Teron Armstead, who they lost. And they don't have a left tackle right now. Either way. And you're sitting there at five, and you get a call from either the Steelers or the Saints, right? And they say, we want to move up to your fifth spot here to get our player. We want to get ahead of the Panthers at six. Whether they're worried they're going to pick a quarterback or a tackle, whatever. It doesn't make a difference to the Giants, right? And... They say, we're going to give you, we're going to swap our ones this year. So you move down to like, you know, 18 or 20. Uh, you're going to get our second round pick this year. You're going to get a fourth round pick this year. And you're getting our first round pick next year. This is number five, by the way. To move up to five. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm making it tough on you. Well, here's the thing. I know I have I, I have one chance to get a tackle because I don't know who they're coming up to get. They're not nope, telling me. They're not telling you. So I got cross. I can get at seven if I think that they're not going after a tackle. But for some reason, I'm probably going to understand why they're doing this. Or maybe, or maybe the Panthers would want to draft Charles Cross at six. Sure. So now, okay, let's let's. I'm going to go two ways on you. I think that they're coming up to get a tackle. Okay. Or I think that if they don't take a tackle, that what that the Panthers are. Yes. And I think if you're the Giants, that's the assumption you have to make. Okay. So let me ask you this: um, the two tackles are gone. Is there? Is Stingley and Sauce Gardner available? Is Sauce Gardner still on the board? Sauce Gardner is... He probably would be. Yeah, in in this scenario, he probably would be, yes. Okay. Then, uh, 
I'm down to now I've got to take an edge or I'm going to take a cornerback. Right. So where is my need? I got to go an edge. I well, got to go edge. The question is, are you good? Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the trade. You're taking the trade. Okay. I'm taking the trade because, but now I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to get? What where am I? What player am I going to now take at seven well, by it's, doing it's this? Seven. Trade? Yeah, I think it's seven based on this conversation. Either Thibodeau or Sauce Gardner would be available. One or the other would be there. Okay. Are you good with that? I am. I am. So you're good sacrificing the the offensive tackle. Be, yeah, because you know what. Two things. Number one, I still can find one. I still, I'm still going to get one. Um, he's not going to be, you know, a high, high first round pick. But I know that I've now went from nine to twelve picks in this draft, and another number one next year. You've got nine. Up. You've got nine to eleven because you swap ones and you got an extra two and an extra four, so you're up to eleven. Eleven for this year. Yep. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing I, it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it too. <laughs> Because you know what? Maybe when you're picking at eight, I, I should look. At, I should look exactly here where the Saints and the Steelers are picking. Just so we're I clear think the Saints this. were nineteen. Uh, the Saints are eighteen. Oh, I was right. They see the Saints are eighteen and the Steelers are twenty. Okay, okay. So that's eighteen and twenty. I'm making that trade. Then you know what? Maybe hey, hey, and then maybe, maybe oh, by oh. the way, maybe I could package a later pick at eighteen or twenty, move up a couple spots, and go get Trevor Penning. Took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. Now, I don't think Penning's on the same level as, as Cross. No, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Conu, we couldn't get him okay. anyway. Right. I mean, in this trade scenario, we couldn't get those tackles. Well, Cross, you could have gotten if you didn't. No, no, trade. because uh, no, but we're, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that's why they're coming up to get Cross. Okay, I got you. And that, that's my thinking behind this. The Saints, but, yes. Steelers, no, yes. But maybe, yeah, the Saints. But maybe the Saints don't. And they take, they take, uh, you know, maybe Jermaine Johnson is still there or whatever, you know, or Walker. I don't know. And now I'm okay. Now I just traded. I just got all those picks, and I got my. Then I'm going to get my. Unless Carolina takes Cross, which would probably happen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just so much fun to talk about this stuff because nice. it really is. I mean, there's so many things, and that's why. I, again, I haven't been on in a, in a few weeks, but the the draft, uh, you know, scenario thing on PFF is you can literally. That thing will suck you in, folks. It is so much fun to deal with it. You know, you're actually feeling like a general manager and making trades and doing all kinds of stuff. And there's once in a while you'll get you'll get it set up and all of a sudden you'll be like, dude, this is it. This is what we're doing. <laughs> By the way, I, I believe Lance and Paul were both hard nose in this scenario. Really? Yes. Well, because Paul doesn't want to lose the offensive tackle. I understand the rationale, but I see I'm I'm more I'm more of a long. This is this is a long term thing for uh, me. Thank you. I'm Paul, Jeff. I'm with you. And 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 by the way, you know, if if you had to put the truth serum in all these people, and they they told you the truth, they would tell you the same thing. We're in this for the long run, folks. We have to be. We're in cap hell. We've got a roster that doesn't have a lot of depth. We have no money to spend on free agents. How are we going to build a football team? It's certainly not going to be in 2022. It's going to take us a couple years to get this thing built. And how do you do it? You get picks. Give me 11. Give me 12 picks this year. Let's stockpile next year. Get 10, 11 next year. And let's go for it. And by the way, in the meantime, I, 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 the last thing I know that I've heard is that even at the top of the second round, there's still going to be some good players, folks. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not as surefire as the, as the fifth or the seventh pick, but I tell you what, they're still good players. And there's a lot of depth in this draft to certain positions that you could go after. Jeff, you and I are so on the same page, I don't even know. Well, I'm just, I, 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 all I'm going to say, Jeff, is yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and, it's not, and, and for those who are listening to us, this isn't something that's changed. I mean, I, I've said this from the yeah, beginning about trading picks. I've said this from the get-go. Hey, and, oh, Jeff, for me... Unless you're picking a, a, you know, a quarterback, it's almost always the right thing to trade down, or or a star at a premium spot. Right. You know what's funny too is you read some of these articles, and all of us do a lot of reading because we want to kind of at least think we know what we're doing on this show by some research. But it is kind of funny when you get something in your on your Twitter feed or Instagram or something, and you're starting to read, it, and all of a sudden somebody's like, "Hey." Somebody is writing about what we're thinking. <laughs> it kind of gets you excited to think that we're not crazy, that there's actually people that are talking about this. 
hey, the Giants are looking to trade this or the Giants are looking to do that. And we're like, I'm like, hello, maybe somebody's listening to our show. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got two more callers, Jeff. Let's take them. Excellent conversation. Let's go to Marty in Manahawk, and he's got a question about special teams. Good thing yeah, Jeff Marty. Is on. Marty, let's go. Up? Yeah, we got Jeff on the air, so uh, I waited. I waited for him to come back. Well, thank you. After Monday, uh, you are typecasting was, Jeff uh, Eagle questions. Yes. By the way, I love you, Marty. You are, you, you are typecasting <laughs> Jeff as only a special teams guy. That's okay. What's up? Hey. Uh, I wonder what your guys, uh, what what your your feelings were about, you know, maybe possibly the Giants would would pick him uh, later on if he was available. But uh, this kid from Arizona, Matt Areza, uh he seems to be a pretty good, uh, pretty good kicker and a punter. So I was just curious uh, what your feelings were on that. Well, first of all, I don't think he'll. I don't think the Giants will pick him because he's going to go high. I think somebody, some team's going to get him. I'm. I, I think probably third, fourth round. This guy is amazing. You know what? And by the way, kudos to John because John during the season this last year sent me an article on this guy and said, "Hey Jeff, have you seen this guy?" Yeah, I did. That's right. And I had not. And ever since he sent me that article, I, I had watched him the rest of the season and. He had, like, the 60-yarders were like 40-yarders. He was punting. Um, he, he can kick off. He can kick field goals, which is a good thing. So I don't think he'll be there for the Giants to pick because I think they'll have a lot more, you know, fish to fry. Than, so at a later round, Marty, I don't think he'll be there. Oh, and Jeff, by the way, I'll throw this in, too. After we talked to our Georgia guy last week or the week before, whatever it was, he, uh-huh. we, we texted back and forth a little bit. He said, you know, one guy I forgot to mention was their, the Georgia punter, Camarda, who uh-huh. actually thinks, well, Will will be a draftable punter as well. So oh, just good. To keep in mind. Hey, usually there's one or two guys a year, and maybe a kicker or two there. But you know, for the most part, they're they're basically street free agents. They go in and compete with somebody. But a guy like uh, how do you say his last name again? Is it Areza? Okay, yeah. He, he, I don't think he'll be there in the late rounds. Somebody's gonna grab him. Yeah, I mean, because he he seems like you know he he reminds you know he's a weapon you know that's that he, he can, can flip the field for you as a weapon. Yeah. Yep. You know the other thing that people don't understand is that the kicker and the punter they back each other up. See, so the one good thing about him is that he can kick field goals and he can kick off. So if your field goal kicker ever got hurt, you still have a pretty replaceable you know commodity there. Unlike anybody that played with me. If the kicker got hurt, that's not good because I don't kick field goals. And I tried one one time against the Dolphins and missed it. And that was the end of my career at kicking field goals. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on the getting hurt. And it seems that, uh, you know, every every year something, you know, uh, he twitches something, uh, Gano, you know, something happens to him. Well, he's been he's been pretty solid, that's for sure. I, I tell you, that's one guy that you don't want to mess with. Just let him be what he wants to be and just let him just go and do what he wants to do. That's it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right, Marty, thank you. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate the call. All right, let's go to Ron in Florida. He's going to wrap us up today. Ron, hey. Ron in Florida. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, good day here, good day. Hey, um, I I realize it's kind of pointless to uh, try to get into doing some of these mocks until uh, the free agency is uh, most of it's kind of squared away. Well, it is and now. The draft, it is yeah. now, Ron. And the free draft agency's stock pretty much is done. changing all this. Sure. Yeah. And, and the draft stock is changing drastically. But that's and, why there's uh, so many mocks. That's because of the, yeah, the ebb and flow that, that of true. it. That's true. And as far as sauce, I I would guarantee he's gone before we get him at five. I just got a guarantee. Well, Marty, but, I, and, and Ron, by the way, just FYI, we only have about three or four major pro days left. So by the end of next week, pretty much all the pro days are going to be done. So most of this uh-huh. offseason draft process will be complete, except for some of the visits that these players have at team facilities. Uh-huh. Everyone's mm-hmm. gonna, everyone should be at that point pretty locked in. Well, that's good. I do have a heart feeling that we're going to get the offensive lineman. Now, I called a couple of weeks ago. Jeff maybe remembers this. Where I was, I was almost willing to move down or or up to uh, pick up an offensive lineman, but I got a real good feeling we're going to at least get one, and I take him at number five. Now I'm going to throw a curve at you. What I would like to do at number seven. All right, what do you got? Now, now DJ has this guy ranked number eleventh on his board, and it's Jordan Davis. 
this guy is a beast. He is he is a combination. He's a freak. <laughs> Believe it or not, I call it a, uh, uh, a tackle that, uh, I mean, yeah, defensive tackle. I don't think there's one offensive lineman that can handle this guy one-on-one. And he'll be double teamed probably constantly while our edge rushers, and we don't even know what we got in this kid Smith that's coming off the injured list, I guess, from last Ellerson. year. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, with, with a guy like that up front, and I'm going to, here's my big point, is that next year we can get rid of Leonard Williams because I think that's just a waste of a contract right there. Uh, he hasn't earned his money as far as I'm concerned, and that would add to our cap next year to unload that, and we would have a defensive tackle that would hopefully it would be for many years down the road, and I believe he'd be a wink uh, type of player too. What do you, what's your thought on that? Jordan Davis is an excellent player. I don't uh, think he's that high of a player. He is, he's going to be a top 15 pick. Um, his athleticism and size is tremendous. Yeah, but say the least. I have trouble picking a guy that has zero record of the ability to affect the opponent on passing downs in college with a top seven mm-hmm. selection. Remember, you got Dexter Lawrence, too, that is going to be in his fifth-year option soon that you're going to have to make a decision yep. on also. Um, yeah. I'm with John. I just feel like there's too many other intangibles at other players that bring you more as an all-around defensive player than a tackle who's going to be a great run stopper. I don't know how effective he will be in the NFL to getting to the quarterback. Remember, he was dominant at the, at the college level. You know, once uh-huh. you move up, you got guys that are you know there for a reason. So, but he's a big boy. He's athletic. I'm I'm with John. I just can't see him taking a player that high. He's but, a big boy, but that boy ran a four point seven eight at the combine, and that's also, a beast. Yeah, he also jumped <laughs> ten feet nine inches on a broad jump. I still don't know how you get three hundred whatever pounds it is in the air for that. I ball. don't either. I don't either, guys. <laughs> Unless somebody but, like set a firecracker underneath his butt and blew him up somewhere. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, it's just you know, like I said, my draft, and I just think this guy would be around for a while. And he is. I, I remember uh, you guys are picking on Paul, but I'm a big defensive guy too, and I know this is more of an offensive. Uh, you know, uh, the league is a lot more offense now, but I'll tell you, you still need those uh, forces, as you can see in Donaldson, up front. You push that back, our edge can get to them, but we need the corners too. So, uh, guys, thanks a lot. I'll take it off here. You're welcome. And Good call. Great talking. We'll talk again now. Thank You're you, Ron. Yep. Look, Thank you. I, think, I think you can find someone that maybe isn't as good as Jordan Davis, Jeff, but that can sure. play that role. On day two, pretty well, easily. Only you know, Travis players, Jones, right? from UConn, you know. Yeah. Uh, Phil, uh, Phil Darius Mathis, the big DT from Alabama. I think that's his name. I got to double check that. But, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of guys, Jeff, that you can find. Well, the thing about it is, um, you know, they're two down players. So, I mean, I just – I got to get I gotta get a little bit more out of that, you know, five and seven than – like that. Yeah, and maybe could he develop into a three-down guy? Sure, but but you can't place that bet with a top-seven pick. Right, right. Yeah, who was the guy that you said from uh, um, Alabama? Uh, Phil Darius Mathis. Mathis, right? right? Fid- yeah. Is that, a, is that his first yeah. name? Fidarian. 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 Yeah. Fidarian. I was close. Well, Jeff correcting me on a name. No, no, no. I'm only, trust me, full disclosure. I got my PFF thing up here, and I'm just looking at the name. So that's, that's not that I knew it by recall. So. Just take the win, Jeff. Yeah, take it right. Thank you, Pearson. Take the win, Jeff. Listen, I'm honest. I'm telling you. Yeah, it, he's it, honest. That's you know, true. I mean, what do you do? Phil Darius. <laughs> 6'4", 3'12". He's a uh, large man, that Phil Darius. Uh, and and we'll, we'll be doing Alabama prospects, by the way, next Friday. So make sure you guys uh, tune in for that. How big do you think 6'6", 340 is? <laughs> I mean, it's it's Jordan it's pretty freaking gigantic, <laughs> dude. I just I like I think, again, By the way, I think he played in the three sixties last year. He dude. had yeah. that that national championship game. I just watched him. I was infatuated well, by watching him. Miss him. He was <laughs> everywhere. He was everywhere. And wearing number ninety nine is even better. I mean, if you're a big boy, you wear ninety nine. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
<laughs> right? Oh, anyway. In fact, it's funny because I know we got to go, but most of the kickers and punters in the in the college ranks these days, they all wear the high 90s numbers. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like 94, 96. You know, it just looks so bad. And so I wonder. They get stuck not, with them. Yeah, because, like, because, right. you know, because all the wide receivers want to wear the single digits they, now, That's so. exactly right. So <laughs> And they don't want to wear 80s numbers, so they, no. they give them the 90s numbers. Right, so, exactly. You know, legitimate fat boy numbers, which isn't good. So, anyways. Good now, stuff, in John. fairness, there, there, there are some fat boys at punter and kicker these days. Yeah, well, that uh, yeah, there is. Uh, what's his name from the Pittsburgh Steelers? Their punter. Have you seen him? Yeah, he's here. Yeah, he's he's a little chunky. He was. Uh, I remember him from when we were going through the kicking camps with my kids. Um, he was in when he was in high school. Was he always out. a little chunky? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He always was, but he always had the biggest leg. Hey, good, good, good kicker. Who yep, cares? Very good. Jeff, all right, so you'll be back with us uh, tomorrow. tomorrow with uh, Lance Meadow as well. Uh, we will do Ohio State prospects. So we'll do a couple of consecutive Big Ten days here as we continue. And we did Michigan State and Minnesota earlier in the week, so I guess it's like Big Ten week. I didn't nice. plan it that way, but I guess that's what it is. So make sure you stay tuned with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live Friday at noon. For Jeff Eagles, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you then.